We gotta hear you every night, but we hit the lights. Blazer, loosen up the tie, step inside the booth. Mr. Monday's Alive, you're listening to the Talk of Chicago, 1690 WBON. I'm your host of the Urban Business Roundtable, Curtis R. Monday. Call me live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. I appreciate each and everything that you guys do in terms of your your support. I want to hear from you today. The show is called the Urban Business Roundtable. For those who may be first-time listeners, if you're not a repeat follower of what we do here uh, on UBR, the show is called the Urban Business Roundtable. It's a show dedicated to the creation and growth of the urban entrepreneur and the small business owner. We have three primary goals here on UBR, the Urban Business Roundtable. One, we want to redefine the word urban and to help the urban community leverage their purchasing power. Man, you know, (laughs) to that point, you know, we try to do a, a a good job to to give the word urban uh, its power back, to let people know that the urban community is a faction of society that needs to be recognized and respected for what we bring to the table from a positive perspective. Because so often the word urban is always uh, tends to be associated with such negativity. But, man, we didn't do ourselves any justice with this looting um, uh, last week, last weekend, I mean, I woke up thinking, like, why are they showing the old news? <laughs> like, what, what did I miss? Why are they showing the, the, the lowlights or the, high, the, the highlights or the lowlights of what happened uh, over the summer? Like, wh- why are they showing this again? And to only find out that it, it in fact, uh, was something brand new was uh, really, 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 really disheartening. We're not doing ourselves any, any favors. And that kind of activity diminishes the... Um, the true effort uh, and the true uh, sincerity and, and pain and frustrations and hopes and aspirations that that we as African Americans really have in respect to what we're trying to get done in this country on this matter of uh, uh, racial uh, equality as we fight for racial equality and, and to see you know uh, individuals out there looting again and all these damn carjackings and things of that nature. I mean. We got to do better. So the UBR, again, we want to help redefine the word urban and to help the urban community leverage their purchasing power, too. We want to be a resource for the creation, sustaining, and growth of small business and entrepreneurship. I mean, I, I say that as a goal, but it's real. And if you really look at what's going on around us, I mean, COVID-19 has really decimated our society. It's decimated our communities, you know, and it's, and it's still not through, right? We're still um, in, in this fight, you know, for the foreseeable future. In our communities, a lot of these big box, you know, corporations say what you want to about them, you know, from the Target to Walmarts and things of that nature. A lot of them haven't reopened yet. A lot of these stores haven't reopened in our community, and they may not come back. But what alarms me is that the smaller businesses, the, the smaller businesses that are in our community, the small, the smaller businesses that we uh, tend to, to shop and frequent and, and support are no longer there. I mean, hell, the Hero's Chicken on 87th and uh, the Dan Ryan. Just um, closed down. I know they're relocating across the street to the gas station and the express one, but I mean that's an awful site. Like, like that, that's an awful place to to go. Like, I don't. I mean, I, I guess the, the the business environment or the, the decisions that the owner had to make must have been so dire, must have been so dramatic that he had no choice to keep the business up and, and move to that location. And I, I can't knock him for it. You know what I mean? Because I, I say it all the time, champions don't make excuses, we make adjustments. So he had to make an adjustment and, you know, hats off to him and, and, and prayer that the business can sustain. But that location they were moving from 
you know, was one of the, the in terms of revenue and, and foot traffic and things of that nature, that was a big deal. I mean, that was a great that was a great location. I didn't go to that one all the time, but I've been to that one. And like I said, always busy. So from a business perspective, they had to be doing numbers. But from that, but from that point, you know, COVID nineteen has really created a a, 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 a cast a, a cloud over small businesses. So we try to use UBR as a way to not only create uh, help people create small businesses or grow small business, but right now just to keep your head above water to sustain. So I'm hoping that something that we say on the show can be something to help a current business owner in addition to individuals who are aspiring to be business owners. And then three, we want to provide small business owners and entrepreneurs access to capital and give them opportunities to grow their, their business. We just need a shot. You know, most entrepreneurs just need a shot. We just need an opportunity. Uh, whoever listening to me at the sound of my voice, I want to tell you that you hadn't gotten your shot yet. If you hadn't gotten your opportunity, if you think that your 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 your, your ship has kind of sailed away and time has kind of passed you by, don't give up. Keep grinding. Keep standing the fight. Keep getting up every day, putting your best foot forward. Keep putting your best effort forward. And in time, you'll get to that place that that, that you're supposed to get to. I have a new appreciation for uh, individuals who are in positions of uh, uh, influence and are quote unquote gatekeepers like celebrities. You know, I used to always say that, uh, you get mad. Like you have people to come on like the urban business roundtable, for example, they may have a higher or more, you know, a, a, a big name, a bigger name than, you know, let's say what I may have. And they may say something like, Hey, reach out to me. Hey, you know, let's, let's do some things. And you know, again, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm going to, you know, reach out, I'm going to follow up. And then you follow up and you don't hear back from them and you get frustrated. And you think that that person is disingenuous. Like, well, why, why in the hell did you say follow up with me or hit me? And then when I try to hit you or follow up, you know, it's, it's crickets. <laughs> and so I used to get pissed off at that. I used to really get mad at that. Like, man, that's, that's really, why why'd you say that? But I understand it. And not saying that I'm in that level, I, I understand. There are times people hit me and ask me for things and, and want things. And and um, and my heart is, is willing. My heart really, really wants to. But just the, the sheer, you know, mathematics in the day and the 24 hours in the day and businesses and chance to baby and, you know, family and other obligations, you just don't have it. And you have every intention on following up, every intention on, on helping, but it's just not enough hours in the day. So I'm going to give people a pass of uh, <laughs> anybody that I hit and tried to follow up with that I didn't hear you back. I'm just trying to use that as motivation to keep grinding. That's why I'm talking to you guys about that, to keep motivated. So as always, as I go through this, you listen to the, the Urban Business Roundtable. You can catch the Urban Business Roundtable live every Saturday morning here on the Talk of Chicago, 1690 a.m. Uh, on Saturdays from 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. And you can catch the condensed recap every Wednesday at 8.30 a.m. and Thursdays at 6.05 p.m. On today's show, we have James Parker. He's the CEO of 1921 Coworking Inc., serial entrepreneur, going to come by to, to join us to talk about what he's doing with 1921 Coworking Inc., and then also we have Toyin Yumasiri, founder of the Trade with Africa Business Summit and the CEO of Nazara LLC. And so she has one of them uh, resumes that it, she's done so much, I don't even know what the hell she really does. And so I'm looking forward to learning more about what she's doing on the international level and how she's connecting the dots between commerce here in the U.S. and also in Africa. Um, my name is Curtis Monday. You can follow me on all social media on Facebook. That's Curtis R. Monday. On Instagram, that's C Monday. Uh, for all your insurance and financial services needs, that's the Curtis R. Monday Insurance Agency, 708 647 1005. 
That's 708-647-1005. We need to get your life insurance in order. We're in the middle of a global pandemic, so let's make sure we get that straight. And then also you can pick up my new book, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor by going out to the website, www.curtisrmonday.com. That's www.curtisrmonday.com. I try to give you guys a little inspiration, something that, 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 dropped in, that gets dropped into my spirit throughout the week just to kind of help you. And here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you just try to stay in peace, right? Try to stay in peace. 10% of what happens to you, 10% of life is what happens to you. 90% of life is how you respond to it, right? God never said that, you know, he'll make everything, as we say in, 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 on the south side in our urban communities, Gucci. Everything won't be perfect. You may have hell going all around you. You may have hell uh, all around you and problems and troubles and things of that nature, but you can control how you react to things. And I've, I've discovered and discovering that the key to this thing in business and in life is just to maintain what you can maintain, and that's your own inner peace. If you think about a boat, if a person thinks about a boat, a boat can be on uh, hundreds of thousands of miles of water, water all around the boat. But the longest the water stays off the boat or if it doesn't get in the boat, stays on the outside, the boat can do what it was designed to do, stay afloat, be buoyant, and get them from destination A to destination B. But as soon as the boat starts to internalize or take on the water from the outside, the boat can no longer do what it was designed to do. It will sink. And that's how we have to look at ourselves. We are designed and created for a goal. And in order for us to manifest our goal, in order for us to reach our potential, in order for us to get that business or to make that business grow, in order to be a champion, we have to be able to internalize the peace that we need in order to be successful. We have to be able to compartmentalize the external things and put that to the outside and keep it on the outside and keep our inner peace. So I want to encourage you guys to continue to keep that mindset and things of that nature. We're going to take a quick break. Coming up at 935, uh, we have, uh, I guess, Toyan Yumasiri. We're going to talk about international trade and business. Coming up right after the break, we have Mr. James Parker, uh, a serial entrepreneur will be joining the show to talk about his latest business. This is Curtis R. Monday here on the Urban Business Roundtable. So, boss, on hard, can't find me. <laughs> That's my joint. You can't, you can't really play that one without kind of doing a whole song. Welcome back to uh, the Urban Business Roundtable. I'm your host. Curtis R. Monday. Call me live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. Coming up shortly, uh, later in the show, we have uh, Ms. Toyin Yumasiri. She's the founder of the acclaimed trade with uh, Africa Business Summit and the CEO of Nazara LLC. And so she's going to be joining us to talk about what she's doing in business. But joining us right now is, is a gentleman I've had the pleasure of knowing for uh, several years, and you know, you always try to give people their uh, flowers while they're above ground, and you got to call a spade a spade. I mean, he's been doing his thing and been passionate about his work as an entrepreneur in business uh, the whole entire time that I've known him. I've never seen him not smiling. That whole thing I said about keeping your internal peace and stuff by that, hey, he, I couldn't have picked a better time to say that because this next guest, uh, like I said, always. 
I've never, and in the last, you know, several years, every time I have a conversation with him, I've never seen him not smiling or not excited about something. Even when I ran into him at the pancake house, he was excited about them pancakes. (laughs) 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 Oh, man. But my guest, man, he's a serial entrepreneur. He's an expert in starting and launching online businesses as well as helping others grow their business. He's been featured in multiple uh, publications, including Blue Sky Innovations, WGN Radio, Chicago Sun-Times, Fox News, NBC5 News, Black Enterprise Magazine. He is also the founder and CEO of 1921 Coworking Inc., Coworking Shared Office, and an incubator space on the far south side of Chicago, the one and only James Parker. Good morning to you, James. Hey, good morning. Dude, I do love pancakes, though. That's hilarious. Man, <laughs> man look, I ain't never met somebody so happy to see some damn pancakes. Look, your brother's I, always smiling, man. God bless you for that great disposition, man. Keep that up, man. Thank oh, you. man. Thanks, man. I love life. I'll be honest with you, Curtis. I love life, man, even when it's crazy. I love life. I love being above ground. And uh, and the fact that we're all above ground, that means that we all still have a purpose. You know what I mean? If we didn't have a purpose, we'd be we'd be gone right now, so. I got you. I got you. You know, th- this term serial entrepreneur is a term that, that, that's always thrown out there. I don't know if people really understand what that means. When you hear that term, yeah. what does it mean to you, James? Yeah, it, basically a serial entrepreneur is, and a lot of tech people have this as well, it's, it's basically when you have that mindset, right? You can work a regular job, but you're, you're starting new things because you have all of these ideas, right? you know? And so, and I mean, I've launched, you know, it's incredible. One of the things, big investors, when you're t- starting a startup, one of the one one of the number one things they look for is, have you started anything? You know what I mean? Have you done anything? Right. You know, and um, I'm, I think even looking at your book, why is it so real, right? Because you've done it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur. You've done it. And that's what gives the credibility. That's, you know, and that's one of those things. And so I've started tech startups. My first company I ever started, I taught piano when I lived in Germany, man. And I was 15 years old. Wow. Because I knew how to play piano and I taught people how to play piano. That was my first entrepreneurial gig. Your first entrepreneurial gig. Dig that. Really? I didn't know that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I was 15 years old, man. And we were living in Germany and I taught, I taught people, mostly soldiers, how to, how to play piano, kind of the basics of everything. So that by the time they really got into it, they weren't paying for the basics. They already knew it so they can actually (laughs) get into it. It was crazy, man. It was crazy. Oh, wow, man. My, yeah. You know, my, my first entrepreneurial endeavor, I used to do Michael Jackson for money. Come <laughs> on, man. Are you serious? That's what's up. I used to do, look, I had two, I had two songs. Billie Jean, of course, because I can do the moonwalk. And then, right. um, for some reason, I used to like rock with you. I don't know why. I was a kid. Oh, and my mother, yeah. God bless her soul, rest in heaven, used to have me in front of her friends and, um, they were, I would make all kind of, you know, uh, arcade money and potato chip money. But, yeah, that was my right. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, I was, like, 15, and, I mean, we were very fortunate. Mom and dad were cool. You know what I mean? We had everything. But I was always, like, I wanted to get my own money, even though my mom and dad had this money. You know what I'm saying? It was, yeah. like, I, I still want to get my own money, you know? So, yeah. uh, anyway. What's, so, the, yeah. what's the thing you love about entrepreneurship the most? Uh, is <clears throat> is uh, learning new things. Um, you know, learning new things as a business coach as well. I get a chance to <clears throat> help people avoid pitfalls that I did. I mean, that I encountered, you know, and, um, I get a chance to teach entrepreneurship. You know, I mean, I get a chance to really help people. Uh, I mean, I, I had, I was on the phone the other day for over an hour 
helping young, young lady get started and then helping her see, you know, this, this isn't the only aspect of your business. You could do this. And then seeing that light bulb, seeing that, wow, they didn't know that. And so, and the fact that I've been able to experience and learn, I've been to conferences and, and I just love it, man. I, I just love the fact that, you know, um, that, and you know, I, I wake up and I say, why not me? You yeah. Know I mean? yeah. I, you know, I drive around and I see storefronts and I say, I'm like, someone had a dream and a vision and they made it happen. Why not me? Yeah. And so I want to create something that helps people create their dreams and their passion. Absolutely. Now, you've taken your years of experience, your, your years mm-hmm. of, of practical um, uh, experiences in starting businesses, you know, merge that with your passion. And now that's yeah. cultivated into a new endeavor called 1921 Coworking Inc. Tell us about yes, what you're doing. Yeah, so 1921, and again, Curtis, thank you very much for having me on the show. Sonia is the best, by the way. Uh, uh, the first time she called me, man, I was speaking in French, and she was like, huh? I was like, I'm sorry. I said, I do that to everybody. I'm sorry. You know, so uh, she's like, is this James Parker? I said, no, it's Messiah Parker. And she was like, oh, okay. I was like, I'm just playing. Anyway, so tell Sonia, shout out to Sonia. She's the best. But, um, but 1921 Coworking is basically uh, a, a, a space where people, entrepreneurs, people who want to start a business, small business owners will be able to come and network, uh, attend training classes to learn how to start a business, to even learn how to take their current business to the next level. Um, uh, it's, it's, it's going to have everything. It's going to have a, a, a um, uh, in-house TV studio so small entrepreneurs can shoot their own commercials. It's going to have two 3D printers. So you may have an idea for a widget or the next super soaker. We can print that out see if it's viable, run it through our team. And if it's a great, hey, we'll get it funded and launched. You'll be a millionaire. And so it's designed to give people a space to come. It's an open co-working space. Um, and then we're going to have this incredible back patio that's going to rival anything downtown. So you literally could come and sit outside and, and work on your laptop or your iPad or whatever you need. Uh, just to be able to, you know, uh, um, you know, work on your business or your idea. And then the incubator space, uh, Curtis is right now African Americans and minorities uh, are the are probably one of the least funded uh, uh, people when it comes to tech startups. Right? It's right. Just, they're just not. Oftentimes we don't have the network. We didn't go to Stanford. You know, we don't live in San Francisco, um, but we've got all these incredible ideas. And so, 1921 Incubator is for tech startups uh, and and manufacturing startups to come in and say, I've got this idea and I need help. So we're going to sit down and listen, give you an honest opinion. We're going to review your application. You're going to get a chance to pitch like Shark Tank to our founding investors and and even larger investors. And, man, if we think this is a go, hey, you're going to be incubated. We're going to train you. You're going to be mentored. You're going to go through a series of classes. I mean, there's so many subject matter experts that we all know uh, that are going to be able to uh, work with these clients. And then we're going to get it funded, and then we're going to get it launched. Wow. You know, And the goal is to help minority startups get going, African-American, Hispanic, and it doesn't matter, uh, uh, startups to get funded and launched. Wow. So let me just dissect what you said because sure. I'm, I'm going to make sure our listening audience got it. So yep. the first thing is the location of the facility. It's not downtown. It's not in Sonberg. It's not in Orland Park. It's in Roseland. Yes, it's, it's, it's in the heart on the, of the south side of Chicago. Why did you choose yes, that location, James? I tell you, man, uh, it was a couple factors. Uh, years ago, I worked for the YMCA Alliance, and once a week, my pro- I had to go to the YMCA on 111th, 110th. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, man. You know, you hear stuff about Roseland, and then when you work in it and you see the people, you're like, what? 
you know, it's like a couple bad people, you know what I mean? A couple bad apples and they painted the whole, the whole neighborhood. And so I liked Roseland. I come to find out a lot of people that I know are from Roseland. I didn't even know it. And so when I, when this building opportunity came, uh, thanks to my good friend and business partner, Jarema Nolan, who uh, has burst into books, an incredible nonprofit, um, I jumped on it. I said, let's do it. You know, uh, bought the building and was ready to rock and roll because I felt like, imagine, and I'll put it to you like this, Curtis, right now we've got about five companies, startups, minority startups in our pipeline, right, that we're going to incubate. Once we open, we're going to incubate. Their projected revenues by the end of 2021 are over $400 million. These wow. are black tech startups. This is what they're going to be able to bring. Well, guess what else comes with that? Jobs. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Um, I'm emulating a company called 1871 Coworking in the Merchandise Mart. To date, they've launched over 650 startups, uh, created billions of dollars in revenue, and they've, and they've created over 11,000 jobs. That's what I'm doing. I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm adding some stuff to the wheel, but I'm basically saying, hey, we can do the exact same thing on the south side of Chicago. Yep. You know, Powerful. we can yeah. do the same thing. And, um, and these are minority startups that probably wouldn't get an opportunity to get in that circle to pitch and get the funding. $400 million in projected revenue. That's awesome, man. Like I said, when, we, when, when you shared with me what you were doing, uh, I was fascinated by, by the idea and the model. I, I love it that it's on the south side of Chicago. You, you have resources that help individuals who have an idea actually come and get professional, a uh, professional assessment of their idea and then actually put them in place, put them in a position to cultivate that idea and get it started by giving them opportunity to get investors, the necessary training, the necessary infrastructure. That's perfect. And then you also add, you know, for individuals who have their business or just need a place to conduct business, the shared office space, like we see in Hyde Park with the University of Chicago and, and the Regis and things of that nature. So I'm, I'm excited for you. I got a question though. Yes, sir. With the shared office space and things of this nature is, is predicated on people and people mm-hmm. being inside and indoors. How have you modified your plans or how your plans been impacted by the, the COVID pandemic? Sure, absolutely. Well, the beauty of the shared office, the only, the only part that's been impacted, uh, Curtis, is the co-working space, right? So once we open, we'll have to use social distancing. We're going to have um, computer monitors. When you walk in, we're going to take your temperature. Uh, uh, when you walk in and we can only work at a limited capacity. The beauty of a business office is your, it's your business. And typically it's only you and your business partner that are in there. And the business offices are separate from the co-working space. So individuals, so we're able to still, people are still able to rent out office space and still go to their office without yeah. being affected by the COVID. So it's kind of like a lot of the companies right now or, or employees are able to go back because why? They're in their individual offices. They're not in cubicles. So what we have are about 20 office spaces um, that we'll be able to rent out to small businesses and entrepreneurs. Fantastic. But James, yeah. for individuals who want to know more uh, about the about the business, when it would open or to just figure mm-hmm. out what you're doing, if they got a business that they want to bring to you, where can they get more information and find you? Absolutely, Curtis. Uh, they can come, they can visit www.1921coworking.com. And, and real quick, Curtis, if I can, the, the, one of the things that we're offering now that's going to help small businesses, uh, as you know, we're in, a, we're in a pandemic, right? And there's money coming in, right? Grant money. What we found out is a lot of small businesses, Curtis, don't qualify because they don't have a business license. And oftentimes they don't have a business license because they don't have a business address, Right. We're able to offer that service, the business address for entrepreneurs and small business owners so they can, A, 
um, get a business license and then qualify for a lot of these grants. So that's one of the one of the factors that 1921 is able to do to help black businesses qualify for a lot of these grants. And then lastly, Curtis, when you have a business address and a business license, guess what? You qualify for business credit. A lot of small black businesses think I got to go get a loan. Right. But, man, if you have business credit, you can get all your supplies, your equipment and start running your business. You know what I mean? And so that's the mail service we offer is really going to help a lot of small black businesses. So they can visit www.1921coworking.com. Fantastic, man. James, keep up the great work. I know we'll be in contact. Um, we, we talk. James is one of my clients, and, and he, he actually talks to talk, walks to walk, does it all. We appreciate you, and let's stay in contact, brother. Keep up the great work and blessings to you and your family. Absolutely. Thank you. And you too. Hey, what's up, Chance the Baby? All right, man. <laughs> Later. That's the, that's the most popular kid on Facebook right now, man. Chance the Baby. Later, man. <laughs> All right, man. Hey, you ain't lying about that one, man. Chance is, uh, has his own little following uh, outside of his dad. And so um, I'm, I'm happy about that. Man, James Park is doing great. I, I told James when I heard about this incubator and what he's doing with small businesses and things of that nature, I quickly asked, how can I be an investor on it? You know, and I'm serious about it. I think he has this investment, you know, pool pretty locked up. But when he ever opens it up, you know, the the and eight dollars and ninety nine cents I have saved in my uh, purple crown royal bag underneath my bed, it's all his. I'm all in. With James Parker, man, one of my peers, doing great. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by uh, international entrepreneur Toyin Yusameri uh, here on the Urban Business Roundtable. What more can I say to you? I got a little bit more to say to you. I'm Curtis R. Monday. This is the Urban Business Roundtable. Call me live in the studio at 773-591-1690. That's 773-591-1690. Visit my website, www.curtisrmonday.com. Pick up the book, The Game, How to Become a Successful Real Estate Investor. Uh, I, our next guest is the founder of the acclaimed Trade with Africa Business Summit and the CEO of Nazara LLC which is a U.S.-based company that connects the world to Africa through market insights, strategic engagements, investor relations, trade shows, training and consulting. She also serves as ambassador for Intra-African Trade Fair by appointment of the African Export-Import Bank and the African Union, which is the governing body of the 55 African nations. I want to say good morning to my guest this morning, Toyin Yumasiri. How you doing, Toyin? How you doing? Good morning, sir. Thank you so much for having me. All right. All right. I, I was singing your praises before you came on the show. And I said, every now and then I get a guest who has a biography or autobiography or a story, or a history that is so um, vast, intelligent, that I don't know what the hell that person really does, but it sounds very important. So I have my pen and I have my paper and I'm hoping my listening audience equally have their pen and paper at home also so we can learn. I want you to, to, to make it simple for us. Tell us about your work. What is it, what is it that, that you do? Wow. Thank you so much. I, I, I tell you, sometimes it, it does feel to me as well like I'm boiling the ocean <laughs> because uh, when you think about the continent of Africa, um, it's a continent of a billion people, and by 2050, it's projected for the population to have doubled to 2.2 billion people. So when we talk about Africa, this is a massive continent with 55 countries. 
So, so I'm not surprised in terms of um, when you see the work that we're doing, the weight of the work, the impact, and 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 the growth opportunity of what what it is that we are talking about. So, just to give you a background, um, for me personally, I've always been in corporate America. Okay, so before I ventured out to to start building my own business around this conversation. Um, most recently, I started at the headquarters of Walmart in Bentonville, Arkansas. So that's my background. It's business, it's, um, you know, corporate, it's, um, it's global sourcing, it's global trade, it's international trade development. That's my background. And within that space, what I realized, you know, for me, I'm an American now. I'm a naturalized American. But my background is, is, is in Africa, meaning I grew up in Africa. I got my first degree in Africa, Nigeria specifically. And then I came into America in 2004 for my graduate program. So just to fast track what I'm talk, trying, trying to talk about. In the world of business of global trade, what I realize is that many people do not see the continent of Africa through the lens of international business, and they do not see the opportunity and they are not pursuing the investment opportunity. So what we do at Nazaru is we connect people that are exploring growth regions, right, from export imports, from agriculture to technology to retail, the opportunities that are emerging on the continent. What we do in my company is we connect businesses and individuals that want to learn more and want to participate. And we do that in different ways, like you listed. We just recently finished our, um, last week was our trade with Africa Business Summit, where we bring people together and experts and economists and, and banks and, and industrialists. Uh, we bring them together to say, okay, what's going on? What are the opportunities and how can we be a part of this growth? Wow. Okay, so I thought I was doing business on the high level until you just started talking. Right. I thought I was really doing something until you started to, to talk about what you're doing. Help me connect the dots. So if I got what you said, you're helping. One part of what you do is helping entrepreneurs, American entrepreneurs like myself, realize the opportunities that exist in Africa for business. Yeah. What? OK, so is it the, the businesses or the opportunities? Is it all? production base or is it an opportunity for professional services like for example my business is all professional services well i'm an insurance agent so that's a professional services i deal with finance and money that's a professional service but i also do real estate how does a person like me figure out whether well, even opportunities for me to be able to do business to in, in in that level like what i'm doing here over in africa exactly so it's all of the above so, for example, this week, um, this coming week, I'll be teaching a class, a master class on trade facilitation. Okay. So one of the things when it comes to even services is that people do not understand there's even a new opportunity where you can become a trade facilitator, where you're bringing a buyer and a seller and the trade financing together. I was listening to, to the other gentleman you had on that was building an incubation space. So for him, he's, he's a facilitator of engineering you know, you know, entrepreneurship in this community. He may not be the one, but he's bringing investors together, he's bringing the entrepreneurs together, and he's providing training and everything they need to grow that space. So, so in that role as well, there are roles like that. Now, let me bring it home to our own, you know, urban community. One thing we really understand when you think about the skincare industry, okay. when you think about shea butter. Do you know that shea butter only grows on the African continent? I didn't know that. 
Skay butter is only imported from Africa. Okay. Wow. Okay, that's one. Let me also give you another. When it comes to um, commodities like cashew, Africa grows 40% of the cashew in the world, but primarily it is exported from Africa to Southeast Asia like Vietnam and then roasted there and brought into the U.S. to be sold. And it said made in Vietnam. We now have opportunities where we can bring those items directly. If you have a roasting facility in the U.S. and Chicago here, bring it in. Now, not only that, U.S. actually has a trade policy with the continent that has been on the book for 20 years that many people do not know about that allows you to import over 6,000 products directly from Africa free of duty. That is 0% tariff. Wow, okay. Okay, so let that sink in. Meaning there are things you're importing from China today that you could be importing from Africa and you're not going to pay any tariff. Wow. Yeah, I know like a lot of the online businesses, like for clothing items, for example, mm-hmm. they import mm-hmm. from, from China. So that, that, that's something mm-hmm. I didn't know that you can do that with Africa and not pay any, any, uh, any duties on those imports. Exactly. Textile is one of those. There are conditions where I think 51% of the textile has to have value addition has to have happened on the continent because they don't want the continent to be a backdoor for China. Right. So value addition needs to be have happened on, on the continent for you to bring it into the U.S. free of duty. Now, this is what's going on. Why this work that I do is so important is that this conversation has primarily been held in D.C., Washington, D.C., for the last 30 years. Meaning political elites in America and African, African political leaders like the ministers, the president, they've always had trade relations in terms of diplomacy and all of that. What's going on is that conversation in D.C. has not trickled into the um, business community of America. So in the New York, in the Chicago land, you know, in, 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 in Michigan, in California, in Arkansas, in Idaho, you know, that conversation about trade with Africa has not happened where it needs to happen. Okay. But it okay. has been primarily had held within the political elite. So what we are doing is it's not a new conversation. We're saying if trade has to grow, it has to be business to business conversation. So that's the essence of the work we do. Absolutely. You know, Toyin, the, 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 I, I think that I started to think outside the box a little bit about opportunities in, in Africa. Um, two things happened. One, this, the, the, the unrest in our country. Like, literally, I thought about, I need to get the hell out of here. I need to figure out something else to do. Oh, Africa seems like a great place to go. <laughs> How can I do business in Africa? So I, I started to think about that. But then the second thing, the, the, second, the second thing that really, really, like, sparked my interest was uh, Akon. I started to learn more about the uh, hip-hop artist and music, uh, musician Akon and what he was doing with solar energy uh, over um, in, in his home country. Um, and and I, I, I was just blown away in terms of listening to the story about how he made the connection and all the different things that, that he's doing. And it just started to say, well, wow, there's a whole other world over there with, with, with opportunity. Um, so tell, tell me this. Entrepreneurs who want to learn more about opportunities with trade with Africa, where do we start? Where do we go? So one of the things that is is, is un, unfortunate is that the data 
around trade with Africa is limited. So that's one of the challenges, right? Um, because if this data was all over the place, then everybody would be doing what I'm saying we need to be doing. But what we do is we, we've actually brought together the key stakeholders. So, for example, just a week ago, we had the economic advisor to the president of Ghana, right, be on our platform to share real information about what's going on on ground. So what I want people to say is to stick with us because what we've done over the last couple of years is to identify the critical stakeholders that can give us real... I mean, we, we want, from a business standpoint, you need to be able to understand what's real and what's just talk, right? Yeah, so right. what we've been able to do is to filter through all the noise and to then identify the key stakeholders. So for example, if the economic advisor to the president of Ghana is telling you what they've done and what they're doing in Ghana, what the opportunities are, then we should be listening, right? So so individuals like that, when, when we brought in Morocco, for example, the, there's an American chamber of commerce that connects U.S. and Africa. Rabia was with us. So, so we've also created a digital platform where people that are interested in learning and, at, um, and accessing market insights, we've created a digital platform where they can self-learn, where we can teach them what to do and not just teach them, actually connect them to decision makers and gatekeepers. Right. Gatekeepers have the key to the to the kingdom. And because I also told you, that, like, it, it's such a large continent. You need to know where to go. Right? You, you need to do a lot of research. And so that's why for us, we shorten that process for people instead of going out there and spending six months trying to dive through the data points and all of that. We've actually done that work. We've identified the key stakeholders. We've identified, you know, what you need to know in what space. We've also created a framework. We call it the Trade Africa Framework that I have identified what those opportunities are. So what we do is we understand, you know, for example, you, you, you're in the insurance industry. You know, what's going, do you want to venture into that space on the continent? Because it's, it's pretty much a sophisticated market as well. We also want people to know that, and um, the image you've seen on, about the continent is half-truth. Nobody has shared the, the transactions that are happening. So, for example, in 2018, I was on the continent, and the event I went for, they closed $42 billion in deals. You won't see that on the Western media. You're not hmm. going to see that. Hmm. So I tell people, don't wait for the Western media to educate you about commercial activities on the continent of Africa. They're going to be five, six, seven years behind what we're talking about. Wow. Okay. Wow. So what we do, yes, because I also say this, that it's going to take a lot of humility on the side of the Western media to cover commerce in Africa. Because guess what? The last 30 years, it's been war. Oh, Africa is corrupt. Africa is fighting war. Africa is this. Africa is that. Africa, right? So all of a sudden, for anybody in that space to now turn around and start saying, oh, wow, deals, commerce, trade, it's going to take a lot of humility, you know, humility for them to do that. So I say, don't wait. They're going to come around, but don't wait. The activities are already happening right now. For example, Ghana again, you know, um, the leaders are telling me, twin. we now have, you know, one, one, one province, one factory, and the, and the government is willing to bring in 40% of the financing if you want to build a factory in this region that we've already identified. So people just need to tell us what it is they want to do. You know, wow. we're going to back them up. So things like that, this is, these are real, real um, 
commercial engagements happening. Um, so so I, I, I know we're really short of time, but, but basically we want to also personalize um, how we support people. So we don't want to make um, assumptions. So we really try to personalize in terms of what, what industry do you play in right now? How can we help you understand what's going on on the continent and where, where your industry is most mature? So many people may not realize that digital payments, e-commerce is most mature in Kenya. Kenya is actually leading the world when it comes to e-payments with M-Pesa, hmm. right? Okay. Not, not, not PayPal, right? So, for example, uh, when we also talk about Flutterwave, the founder of Flutterwave was with us last year. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook injected 24 million in his business. Um, you know, so, so these things are real that is going on on the continent as well. I know we're short on time, but I don't want, I don't want you to, to conceptualize that because you have an open door invitation to come back. Because I want to, I want to continue to to know more about your work and what the opportunities are to help our entrepreneurs connect dots. I said that the, one of the purposes of the show um, is to help our entrepreneurs grow um, their businesses, to grow in the entrepreneurial ring and in the entrepreneurial space. That doesn't just mean in the U.S. I mean that can mean abroad too. And with all the challenges we're facing right now in our community, definitely because of COVID nineteen and systemic racism, to be able to tap into other opportunities that transcend our, our, our physical geographical situation is profound. So I want to give you an open invite. I'm going to make sure that uh, we'll put you on hold when we get off, get my information from the, the engineer and let's you and I continue to dialogue, but please give our listening audience your contact information. If they're interested, what they can learn more about your work and contact your company. Oh, thank you so much. Um, so my company is um, Nazaru, N-A-Z-A-R-U, and you can find a lot of information at www.nazaru.com. And, and just as, as a final comment, we all know about the movie The Black Panther that came out, you know, just was it two years ago, right? One of the things people may not realize, like I come from the retail world, is um, merchandising around superhero stories is even more commercially viable than just the movie itself. And one mistake, one miss we all had was Black Panther increased demand for Afrocentric products, right? For clothes, for um, swords, for jewelry. But we all missed that opportunity. And a lot of the swords that were sold around Black Panther came from China. Wow. Wow. Okay, so people need to start thinking about in terms of Afrocentricity is going to emerge and keep growing. But behind that is merchandising, it's products, it's skincare, it's hair care, it's shoes, it's clothing, it's lifestyle, it's music, it's, it's everything. Absolutely. So watch out, watch out for that. It's only going to increase, and I'm super excited to be part of that um, conversation. Toyin, we appreciate you. Stay on hold. The engineer is going to give you my information. We'll stay in contact. Be safe and keep up the great work, okay? Thank you, sir. Thank you, everyone. All right. Toyin Yumasiri, um, CEO uh, of Nazareth LLC. Great work. Phenomenal show. Lined, phenomenal show today. I'm happy for all our guests. Thank you to Sonia Levine, our producer, for what she does, and also Mighty Titus on the ones and twos. Time flies when you're having fun. I'm going to take a quick break when I come back at 11 a.m. Let's be with the great E.J. Williams on C-Flips, He-Flips. We talk more about real estate investing. I don't do this for my first name. I do this for my last name. Chance Jordan, Daddy Loves You.
Say what you want to about me, but I always know I did it my way. God bless.